This episode is sponsored by GummyCube.com. They have a number of great popular services for app entrepreneurs and anyone involved in the app world. For example, they have keyword optimization that helps you optimize titles, descriptions, metadata, and really helps you improve your search rankings. So to go and learn more, go to www.gummycube.com, G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, gummycube.com. Thanks to GummyCube for being such a great supporter of the show. This episode is sponsored by Apptentive. Uh, Apptentive has given us a way as app entrepreneurs to get customer feedback directly within the app. So to sign up for a free mobile app consultation, go to apptentive.com forward slash app guy, all lowercase, apptentive, A-P-P-T-E-N-T-I-V-E dot com forward slash app guy. And thank you so much, Apptentive, for supporting this show. Uh, hi guys, my name is Ian Sells. I'm the founder and CEO of Strongvolt, and you're listening to The App Guy. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, The App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, The App Guy. Welcome to another episode of The App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. This is the show that is designed to introduce you to some amazing founders so that it helps you in your journey. Now, you could be working for a company, doing projects as a side project, or you could even be becoming a founder yourself. Whatever you do, this is the show for you. If you love apps, if you love startups, if you love hearing the journeys of others, please stay tuned. I have a guest from San Francisco today, the heart of technology, uh, it's uh, a wonderful female entrepreneur. Her name is Eve Peters. Uh, she is the founder of uh, uh, WIM, and we're going to find out all about WIM and uh, how it's really helping people connect. So, uh, Eve, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, we ha- I have to say and warn the listeners, you are in a shared office space, but you're working with another startup. What what is like? Was it was it like around where you're working? Describe, you know, like your work environment. Uh, it's a really lovely sort of typical early scrappy startup situation. So we're sharing with this one other company. We're in the third floor of a building on an alleyway in the Mission District of San Francisco. So not your typical office space. Um, we've got a little office dog, um, a small kitchen <laughs> area. <laughs> there are about 10 people in the other company. And it's basically one big long room with a bunch of desks um, so, you know, I, we're all kind of sharing. I, I used to work in, um, like a corporate environment and I'm sure there's people now listening to this who would love that, uh, office space. It must be so creative to be around a lot of other startup, uh, you know, uh, employees or founders. And, uh, do you find that the workspace really does help to, you know, in, in incentivize you in terms of creativity and what you're doing? Absolutely. I think, um, the energy of a space is really important to your, mindset that you're in throughout the day. Um, and on top of that, it's neat to watch, you know, the company that we share with is sort of at the next stage beyond us. We have about four people in our company. They have about 12. And so, but when I joined the space, they had just four or five people. So I've gotten to watch them grow. Um, so not only is there good energy, but there's also just good learning through absorption by sort of, you know, watching how they operate and grow, how the CEO runs meetings um, and so forth. 
Yeah, I can imagine. Like, um, I, we do know that being surrounded by like uh, inspirational people helps your, your own journey. So uh, it sounds like a, it's like a good environment to be. So tell us about Wim then. We'd love to know a little bit about Wim and what it's doing. Sure. So Wim is a mobile app that actually sets up dates for you. Um, there are a lot of dating apps out there. And they're essentially messaging platforms. You know, you can browse through people and you figure out which ones you like. And then when two people like each other, they can text back and forth. Um, the reason I created WIM is that over 90% of um, people who are corresponding back and forth on dating apps kind of get caught just in that texting. You know, you might send a message and not hear back for a few days, or maybe you'll text back and forth for a week or two, but never end up actually meeting up. And so the vast majority of people are on there because they actually want to form real relationships in real life. Um, but those other apps aren't really making that um, efficient or even particularly pleasant uh, of a process. So uh, we built WIM to help expedite people to getting to that face-to-face -face connection. And um, the way it works is quite different. You say which nights this week you're free, and then you indicate which people you're willing to meet, and then the app sets up the whole date for you. So it'll pick a particular time and place and um, let both parties know, and it will put them in touch so just so they can confirm with each other beforehand that they are indeed going to show up at the designated place. So Eve, what I love about your, your uh, idea and why I wanted you on the show as well is because I'm often asked the question, there's too many apps out there, it's too crowded. And, and what you've proven to us and what you've shown to us is that you can enter a very crowded marketplace. Who would have thought you, know, you could um, enter that kind of market, um, dating apps, but you've done something radically different, which uh, is, is your... Uh, USP, your unique selling point. And uh, uh, so, so do you feel like um, other others listening to this could do the same thing in, in other crowded markets, find some different angle? Uh, certainly. I think uh, the key thing is, it, I mean, obviously you don't want to enter a crowded market and just do the same thing. Um, and I think you don't want to enter a crowded market and sort of do the same thing as somebody else is doing with just a little twist. I think you can enter a crowded market and challenge the fundamental assumptions um, that are sort of at the base of all the products in that market and say, I'm going to start and build a product uh, from a totally different assumption. Um, so, you know, in the case of Wynn, we entered this market where the assumption was that there has to be a ton of texting back and forth before people meet in real life. And so all the other dating apps out there are basically different variations on messaging platforms. Um, whereas we said, well, actually, you don't have to start with all this texting back and forth. That was something that made more sense in the 90s when the idea of meeting a stranger through the Internet was actually kind of scary. But people have evolved. Society has changed. People jump into a stranger's car on a dime, you know, using Uber or Lyft, and um, they're ready for something more streamlined. So, um, so yeah, in summary, for sure, there are a lot of markets that are crowded, but there's always going to be room for improvement. I, I love that as well. And, and let's find out a little bit more about you, because I know that there's going to be someone listening to this right now who uh, is daunted by the idea of starting up their own company, becoming a founder of their own thing. And you're actually there with um, what, what is actually a reasonably sized uh, group of people. Uh, you're not doing this on your own. How did you get get into 
the, the startup scene and in particular what attracted you to apps? I actually have, it's kind of a funny story. I would say I totally fell into startups and entrepreneurship. So way back in 2007, I had moved down to Buenos Aires. I was in my mid-20s and just wanted to take a year off from, from working and have a bit of an adventure. Um, I actually went down there with the intention of getting a job at an NGO, um, but couldn't quite find what I was looking for. And I just fell into this enclave of expat entrepreneurs living in Buenos Aires. I happened to have a business idea for another dating app at the time, which I mentioned to one of them. And he said to me, you know, that's such a good idea. And it's so inexpensive to develop websites here. Why don't you just do that while you're here? And I said, what are you talking about? I don't know anything <laughs> about starting a business or a website. This was never an aspiration of mine. I just think, I was like, I just think somebody else should do it. And he said, no, I think you should do it because it's your idea. And so before I knew it, I had, you know, it started with, I just posted a couple ads on Craigslist looking for engineers and designers. And then before I knew it, I had hired a small team down there in Argentina and we built this website. And then I brought it back to San Francisco and applied to a tech conference, not expecting it all to get in. And then we got in. Um, and then suddenly I was pitching in front of literally over a thousand people at this huge event. And I was just thrown headfirst into the startup scene. Um, so that's how it all began for me. Um, you no, know, Eve, I have to say that journey is so inspiring because uh, there's always, I guess, in someone's mind, uh, an obstacle and you know we'll start next year or when I have a good idea but but it sounds like to me what I'm learning from you is it's best just to, just to start no matter what the idea is just do something start and uh, before you know where you are you're you're in head first and uh, and getting like thrown into it and, and obviously learning along the way I couldn't agree with you more I think it's really it's all about action I see so many people getting stuck in the ideation phase, you know, like they'll spend six months just perfecting, you know, ideas in their head or ideas on paper instead of just creating something. Um, and I think I owe a lot to that, that first mentor that I met there in Buenos Aires who, who really just said, oh, just go do it. And I said, I don't know how to do it. And he said, you'll figure it out, but just do it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, you can you can fall. Anybody can do. It. You know, I knew nothing about the web or entrepreneurship or anything. Anyone can do it if if they want to, as long as they're willing to take steps every day and okay with uh, taking missteps along the way. Yeah, because what I also I've I've learned from this podcast and and learning from you now as well is that uh, you know you can have like a perfect business plan. Or, or you can prepare yourself, educate yourself, and spend a lot of time doing that. But ultimately when you get your first paying customer or you know you get your your first bit of feedback from a user um, it changes everything and then you're following a, a path and you're not quite sure where you go and you're led by feedback and and customers and and uh, then it, it just changes and you can't prepare or plan for that journey exactly you you never know what's going to be um, the most important thing to work on um, until it's in the hands of real people that is true. What, tell us about the tech conference because that sounds like uh, it was the platform that ultimately kickstarted your your big journey as well. What what sort of tech conference was it? Sure. So this was two thousand eight, and it was called TechCrunch Fifty. 
It was the predecessor to what is now TechCrunch Disrupt. Um, so it was put on by Michael Arrington and Jason Calacanis. And uh, I remember that year they opened with um, Ashton Kutcher presenting his startup. It was something called Blah Girls. It was like a something with some funny female cartoon <laughs> character yeah. um, media idea. And that's what started it all for wow. me, really. That, that's really, again, inspiring because, you know, at that stage you had no track record, but you uh, got in and you, you were given the platform, the stage, uh, mm-hmm. by these, uh, I mean, Jason Kalkanis is obviously a massive figure and a uh, podcaster as well. So have you been on his podcast by any chance? <laughs> I haven't been on his podcast. <laughs> there you go. Jason, if you happen to be listening to this, you need Eve on your show. Um, <laughs> but he, so t- TechCrunch Disrupt and... Um, how's the, how's it going in terms of um, adoption? Are you happy? Have you learned anything along the way you could uh, help and teach us? Sure. So we, WIM has been live in the App Store for about three weeks now. Um, and we're currently only live in the San Francisco Bay Area. But we'll be opening up soon to Los Angeles and New York and are really eager to hit international markets as well in the coming year. Um The adoption, I mean, the adoption has been, I'm really pleased with it, to be honest. Uh, It wasn't this easy from the beginning. We actually ran a market test in Los Angeles with a kind of more rudimentary version of the product last summer. Um, And what we learned from that is that people loved uh, that we were curating dates for them and setting them up. Um, But the way we had done it last summer was it was an app that just got you a date tonight. And we found that a lot of people, um, they liked getting set up, but the whole tonight aspect was a little too soon. Um, and so now um, with our iOS app, you can actually plan for a date any of the next seven nights. So that gives people a little bit more room. And um, what can I say? Yeah, you know, I mean, people, what about monetization like as well? I mean, I, me. yeah, sorry, Eve, I was wondering about uh, the monetization of the app. Is there a fee to pay upon the, the date being set up? It's it's currently free for everybody just because we're so early on, but it's going to be a monthly subscription model. Yeah, so also then what that's teaching us is that uh, the days where you build an app, you uh, get uh, a load, you know, you expect to get millions of users and, and then live off the uh, income of advertisers. Uh, apparently, like, angel investors are really worried about that and... Uh, it's kind of a difficult uh, business model and monetization strategy, but but uh, the monthly subscription sounds like a, I can imagine a, a lot easier to implement and uh, to monetize uh, sooner. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, you can't do it for for every business, but uh, the search for love is important enough to enough people that people will pay for it as long as it's working for them and getting them results. Um, So actually, when I founded my first dating startup in 2008, I did plan for it to be, you know, a massively scaled advertising-based revenue model. Um, But then when I really learned firsthand how big you have to get to make meaningful revenue that way, I said to myself, never, I'm never going to do that again. I'd much rather build a business that provides real value um, and that's shown through people being willing to pay, you know, some amount for it. Yes. And I mean, we sort of mentioned about angel investors there. I'm wondering how uh, you got started from a funding perspective. Did you bootstrap the whole thing yourself or did you manage to get uh, some investment? 
Um, we've we've raised a small seed round. So a huge uh, leg up for us was that we were admitted to the 500 Startups Accelerator in San Francisco. So that's Dave McClure's um, accelerator. They take in about 120 startups per year, I believe, uh, in four separate batches. Um, so that was some of our first seed money. And then we've raised uh, a little bit of money from other angels along the way. Yeah, we've had some uh, invest uh, some co-founders that have been through the 500 startups on this show and uh, it's obviously a great leg up as you say because um, it, it not only gives you the money but I, I believe it gives you a lot of access to uh, like talent and uh, network is that right? Exactly it's been an, an invaluable boost to our network and recruiting efforts no doubt. Now the other thing Eva is that you mentioned that you, you'd done some previous stuff with uh, dating her I kind of get this the suspicion that you're focusing on one area and and is that that's obviously <laughs> beneficial to you because you're building up your your experience would you recommend uh, that to others as well to just focus on one particular industry You know I've seen people be very successful um across industries as well as in specializing uh I think the important thing is to be genuinely passionate about what you're working on um, there are going to be lots of ups and downs, and if you're not passionate about it, then how are you going to survive those downs? For me, you know, I'm not a technical person. I'm not an engineer, and so I want to be able to offer um, the most value uh, from a business perspective. And the way I could do that was building upon my prior experience in the industry. So, you know, I did a dating startup, and then I worked for OKCupid actually before. Um, starting WIM. So it was really spending a lot of time building up my subject matter expertise in this industry. And uh, that's worked well for me. So let me tell you about just a fantastic sponsor of mine called Gummy Cube. And something quite unique about Gummy Cube, it really is uh, something that I think you'll be interested in learning about. It's DataCube, their DataCube platform. And they use this for app store optimization and to manage mobile app marketing campaigns. Now, GummyCube has built DataCube uh, from the ground up rather than adapting existing mobile and web searches to gather the data. The engine powering the DataCube platform pulls data from the app stores. It monitors uh, iTunes and Google Play uh, right at the moment and, and also advertising networks and information from mobile users gathered through the stores. Uh, now, this approach separates it from all those other competitors. GummyCube points out that uh, any data taken from traditional searches is less effective when used solely for analyzing mobile marketing campaigns. It makes sense, right? You need the data from the app stores to do app store optimization. So I highly recommend going to check them out. It's www.gummycube.com. That's www.gummycube.com. And thank you, GummyCube, for continuing to be such a great supporter. This episode is brought to you by Apptentive. Apptentive have a great intelligent ratings prompt. So what does that mean? It means that you can drive five-star reviews, which obviously then means your app is going to climb the charts. Uh, so what you can do is you can prompt the user, ask the question, hey, do you like the app? Yes or no? It's pretty obvious that if they hit yes, you want to take them to the review page so they can leave a really cool review. If they hit no, you do not want to take them to the review page. You want to take them to the inbuilt messaging center where you can actually communicate with them two-way and find out why they don't like the app. So keep those criticisms off of the review page and help your app climb the charts by only driving five-star reviews. 
to the review page. Uh, go and check them out. It's apptentive.com forward slash appguy. That's apptentive.com forward slash appguy. They will give you a free consultation. And thank you so much to Apptentive for supporting this show. Now, Eve, there's two things we'd like to do before we say goodbye to you. One is that uh, many of the listeners out there are struggling for an idea for an app. And what we find is always good is working out from you what some of your big frustrations are in your current business or, you know, basically your your uh, uh, own work environment. And maybe if we flesh out some like a major pain point for you, we could potentially come up with an idea for, a, you know, to solve that. So do you have... If you think about you know, the last three weeks of working or anything, any, any big pain points or bottlenecks or frustrations that you think we could talk about? That's really interesting. I think as far as um, you know, app ideas are concerned, something that comes to mind is that nobody, in, in spite of the whole suite of task management systems, um, Asana and Jira and Trello and a slew of others, nobody's really pivotal tracker Nobody is really happy with any of them. Um, so I think that's an example of a space where there are a lot of players, but there's still a lot of room for improvement in terms of helping small teams manage their workflow. Um, the other big struggle is uh, just having too much to do and too little time. And I, I don't think an app can really solve that. I think that's just the nature of startups. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you. I, I'm actually coming up with a potential idea here. It's probably been done, but for anyone listening, uh, uh, in a way, you you know, you do have these task management um, tools. I love Slack, for example. I'm in lots of different Slack groups. But I would love the idea that you post uh, various things, projects, work, uh, and someone in the background just comes along and says, oh, by the way, we could do this task for you uh, and get it done within half an hour, you know, some database population or some something. And and so you've got almost that you're opening up your tasks to potentially some outside assistant or virtual assistant who could do those tasks or some tasks for you that you weren't aware you could outsource. Uh, just, yeah, I yeah. think that's a really neat idea because there's certainly a lot of places like Elance where you can hire um, outsourced development, but it tends to be, you know, by an entire contract or an entire job. Um, it's an interesting idea to have people just sort of grabbing more micro tasks. Yeah, I don't mind opening up like, you know, some of my uh, projects, for example, and just someone going in saying, hey, I could take that from your hands, you know, maybe, uh, hey, I can edit your show or uh, did you realize I could help you with... Uh, the, the guest booking system or whatever it may be. And, and then you're like, oh, great, this is terrific. Yeah, please do that. <laughs> here's here's uh, $100 per month for that service. Um, like a, con- right. a concierge for an, a, a busy entrepreneur. There is something called Fiverr, which is cool, um, where you can actually find people like willing to do like little helpful tasks for your business for literally just $5 a pop. Um, and then they have some that are priced higher than that. So I could see them sort of going in that direction. And yeah, it sounds good. There you go. There's a, a potential idea for anyone who wants to go and build that maybe with a Slack integration or uh, Asana integration or whatever. Um, okay, well, Eve, this is a show about apps. We, we love talking about apps, finding out new apps. Now, you are in the tech capital of the world. Uh, you must have a smartphone that you're addicted to perhaps you could give us one or two apps that you love 
that are you know useful in your own business or personal life. Well, obviously, without the exception of whim that everyone now should be downloading, but uh, uh, everyone in San Francisco, that is. Uh, but <laughs> do you have any other apps that you could recommend to us? Uh, let's see. To be totally honest, I am actually, in spite of building an app, I'm not a technophile. And that's part of the reason why my app, Wim, is designed to get you to spend less time in the app and more time in real life. Um, so I'm trying to think of some, I'm looking at my home screen right now for the apps yeah. that I really love. What, what's on your I, home I screen? I, I guess uh, you've mentioned okay, some already. I've got, I've got a mindfulness app that I really love. That helps me. Um, oh, I love those! Set yeah, an amount of time to meditate and rings a bell when the time is over. Oh, that's great! I What's the a, name of the the app? It's called Mindfulness. Mindfulness, okay. Mm-hmm. And I have a white noise app that I I like because it helps me sleep when my roommates are being noisy. Now, listen, you are talking to the app guy. So I created a white noise app. But uh, it was oh, yeah. actually it was actually intended to help babies sleep, and because when I got twin boys, and uh, f- throughout their first six months of life, they must have hated me. I I took a CD and I took a because uh, it was like five years ago now. Before you know, we had uh, iPhones and stuff. Well, I had an iPhone and uh, I used to play them White Noise uh, just right by their bed, and um, I thought we need an app for that, so I built an app. So I actually got the target market wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have focused on kids and uh, babies. I should have focused on, I didn't realize adults listen to white noise. Oh, certainly. You know, anybody living in a city with a lot of uh, noises happening outside, it's really helpful for sleeping. Oh, okay. Here's another app idea. What about those people who have moved out of San Francisco because it's too expensive and you miss the sounds of the city? So you have the opposite of a white noise. (laughs) You know, it's funny. City noise is actually one of the options on this white noise app. It's been done already. City noise, yeah. Oh, right, okay. That's the only hard thing with apps is a lot of things have been thought of. So Yeah, but then, you know, I would have said to you, imagine I'm an angel investor and you came to me saying, hey, I've got an idea for a dating app. You know, you would have been like, oh, it's all been done before. There's There's no possible, like, you know, new angle. And then you came up with, like, which is obvious, seems an obvious thing take away all the hassle of messaging and just arrange the dates. And it's amazing. Right. I think the important thing is one should not necessarily be sitting around thinking, what's a cool app I could build? One should be sitting around thinking, what are some problems in my life that I experience that are genuinely frustrating uh, that I could make better through technology that doesn't exist yet? And those are two very different approaches. So I just want to remind the Appster tribe that I do not, we did not in the pre-chat come out with, um, the suggestion that you should say solve a problem, but that is my biggest running theme throughout every single episode. It keeps coming back time and time again, and I want to just remind the apps to try do listen to this advice. Solve a problem. Don't try and clone a, an app or reskin some app or you know try and look for gaps and build apps. Solve problems because that ultimately will give you the higher chance of success. And we've learned it again from Eve. So. Um, mm-hmm. Great. Eve, this has been terrific. Uh, I love this chat. Uh, you know, uh, the show notes uh, are episode 355. So anybody listening who wants links to Wim or to uh, uh, Eve, then just go to theappguy.co and you can either search Eve Peters on the search or you could just go to episode 355. In the meantime, Eve, how best can people like reach out and connect to you? 
Oh, uh, yeah. If anybody has any questions, they're welcome to email us at hello at trywim.com. And uh, I'd love for everybody to, if, if you're dating, to download the app. You can download it from anywhere in the U.S. right now. Um, and it will soon be available in cities across the country. Yeah, I'm guessing that what would be helpful is uh, for people who are interested in using this app to request it. Uh, and then you, you're probably, what, just keeping a... a a tick on who, a track of who, where to, to launch next and what, right. how well, to roll actually, out. You can, you can download it from anywhere. So you don't even have to request it. You can download it and sign up. It just won't really be usable um, until we, we launch in the cities. But, but yeah, we're keeping track of how many people are in each city. So we've got the most in LA and New York. And, um, and then after that, it's sort of up for grabs. And, and obviously you can download it in Kansas and then have a several thousand mile journey to your date in LA, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably not a good idea. But uh, Probably not. <laughs> Eve, this has been great. I've so enjoyed, I mean, uh, you've inspired me and no doubt you'll inspire a lot of people listening to this show. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing this wonderful knowledge. It's definitely encouraging to anyone um, uh, Hugh is interested in uh, becoming an app founder and I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So remember to go and check out www.gummycube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E.com who are the world's best app store optimization company. And I highly recommend uh, using them to improve the optimization of your apps and help them get discovered in the app store and use their algorithms and their data cube from the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. So www.gummycube.com and thanks to Gummycube for being such a great supporter of this show. This episode has been brought to you by Apptentive. Apptentive are offering a free 55-page ebook on how to get the best ratings and reviews. Uh, to find out more, just go to apptentive.com forward slash appguy. That's apptentive.com forward slash appguy. And thank you very much to Apptentive for supporting the show. So I am appealing for help uh, to uh, help me with this show. And uh, the reason being is that I'm actually blessed to have uh, quite a unique challenge. Uh, when I started this show, it took, uh, I would say, over three quarters of a year before uh, the first sponsor would sponsor me. Uh, a lot of hard work, but now I have a really long wait list and uh, I am getting stretched with the editing process and with the social media and with a lot of different things. So if you feel like you've got a unique talent, unique skill to perhaps help out, all I could do is offer like a consultation with you. Maybe I could help you with uh, some of your projects as well. Uh, but uh, if you want to get involved, if you're part of the Appster tribe, you've been listening for some time and you feel like uh, you could uh, off offer some, some help to me to relieve my time pressures, then uh, do get in touch with me. I am looking for any help. Uh, if you are someone who's working on stuff uh, as a side project, perhaps you're working in a startup and just like the show and want to be part of it, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm open to any ideas. For example, um, the editing process uh, does uh, require uh, a few hours per episode and I'm sure that there's parts of it can be that can be dissected and uh, can be uh, out, outsourced to you. Uh, if you have uh, any editing skills and you've done uh, sort of production before uh, or uh, you feel like you can learn that. Uh, but uh, yeah, anything to help me relieve some of my time pressures. I mean, I'm a little bit reluctant to take on employees. I used to have that in a business before. 
where I grew the employee base and I have to say that uh, I do like the idea of working on my own and outsourcing. Uh, when I was uh, working with employees, uh, it was a different in industry running my own business, but oh, it was a real headache. And uh, I, uh, lo I, got, got, I basically got burnt <laughs> and lost a lot of money. And uh, I couldn't believe that employees uh, when you pay them, you, you know, you're paying them on credit cards and doing anything to make sure that you pay them. And all they're worried about is uh, their, uh, the fact that they're feeling a bit ill during the day or they have to go home because they've got a party to go to or whatever it may be. So I, I don't want to take on employees, uh, really, but I could use some help. So there you go. I'm appealing to you listening to this. Uh, if you have some unique talent, you've got a bit of spare time and you think, yeah, I like the show want to be part of it then uh, do get in touch with me and just give me an idea of how you could save me some time uh, either social media or um, editing or whatever you feel like um, you could bring to the table that would relieve a little bit of my uh, time which is getting a bit stretched okay there you go thanks for listening to this announcement and i will look forward to uh, delivering another awesome episode soon bye for now